0: You in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 15. We're reading Mark's account of uh, the resurrection. We'll get back to our regular study in Ephesians the next Lord's Day, God willing. We're in Mark chapter 15 and reading through the end of that chapter, into chapter 16 and verse 8. As I read, let's remember, this is the holy and inspired word of the living God. There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary Mary, the mother of James the less and Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. When evening was, had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate, And asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining from this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which he had been which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph were looking on to see where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as I told you. They went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone. For they were afraid. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be our teacher today by your Holy Spirit. Instruct us from your word as we look again at the glorious resurrection and the things that surrounded it. We pray that you would teach us. Teach us things that we can take with us this morning that would help us in our daily walk with the risen Christ. We make our prayer in his name. Amen. Easter Sunday. Something special about Easter Sunday, isn't there? Well, why is it so special? Well, Easter is so special to the Christian because the things that we commemorate and celebrate on this day are so essential to our salvation. The Bible is very clear about the profound significance of the events of this week in our life of faith the crucifixion and the resurrection. That is how Jesus accomplished our salvation. You know, we love the wonderful truths that Jesus taught, don't we? We are amazed at the the miracles we see that He performed. We take note that Jesus Himself was God. And we see that in His uh, power over the demonic world. The fact that He was uh, born of a virgin... The fact that he lived a a sinless life. You know, we take note of all those things, but we don't trust in those things for our salvation, do we? As important as they are, those are not the things by which we are saved. The Bible makes it clear that the only way to be saved is by trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and believing in His resurrection from the grave. The Apostle Paul made that clear in the passage from 1 Corinthians 15 that we read earlier as Mason led us in our call to worship. He said there that if Christ has not been raised, let me say it again, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. If Christ has not been raised, he says, then your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that the resurrection is absolutely essential to our salvation. And that if Christ has not been raised, every word that I speak this morning is a futile word It accomplishes nothing. In fact, Paul goes on to say that if Christ has not been raised, you and I are not to be admired for being here today. We're to be pitied. If we've only hoped, if we've only only hoped in Christ, if we're not assured and confident of it, The Bible says, we are of all men, most to be pitied. What are you doing here? If Christ has not been raised, what are you doing? But you see, that's just the fact of it. We're here because we know that Christ has been raised. And we know that our salvation is based upon the fact that Jesus died on the cross to bear our sins in our place, and that He rose from the dead in victory the third day to accomplish our salvation completely. This morning, I, I do want to look primarily at Mark's account of the resurrection and some of the events that surrounded it. You know, the other gospel writers... Uh, Matthew, Luke, and John give us additional details about what happened on that day. i don't want to focus on Mark. I'm going to draw four things from this text I think we see in the resurrection and around the morning. And the first thing that we see I think is we began in verse 40. The first thing that we see is the importance of the women at this significant event. The importance of the women at this significant event. That is, we see the very important role the women play who followed Jesus both at His crucifixion and at His resurrection. Okay guys, let's give credit where credit is due. The end of Jesus' life, the women stepped up, and for the most part, the men went out. What does the text say in verse 40? There were also some women looking on from a distance. It gives us the name of them. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and then the third one was Salome. The and then the end of verse 41 tells us there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. There's no question that some of the most devout most loyal and most faithful followers of Jesus were the women. Now this relationship that Jesus had with the women is a very interesting dynamic. Contrary to secular opinion, Jesus actually raised the status of women in his day. A oh, women had a place in Palestine then, but it was just, wasn't much of a place. It was usually in the back of the home. They were relegated to silence. They were not to be heard from much, not to be seen often. They were the property of their husband. And as Jesus kind of, or I'll use this word carefully, to liberate the women. To give them a place they had never experienced before. To allow them to follow him openly to show him devotion and to promise them the same spiritual blessings he promised the men was remarkable verse 41 again tells us when he was in Galilee they used to follow him and minister to him and it wasn't just a few we see again at the end of verse 41 there were many women many women who came to Jerusalem with Jesus as he went to the cross you see just as they had ministered to Jesus while he was living in Galilee they continued to minister to him as he was dying outside of Jerusalem they were there at the cross now they might not have been all right there at the foot of the cross like Jesus mother was but they were there And they were looking. And they were watching. They saw his suffering. They saw his agony. They saw his pain. And they were there. As Jesus died. And as Jesus took his last breath. They stayed there. To see what would happen to his body. Late that afternoon. Sometime between about 3 o'clock when Jesus died and 6 o'clock when the Sabbath began. There was a man named Joseph. He lived in Arimathea, but a man named Joseph came, mustered up his curry with Pilate and asked Pilate uh, if he could have possession of Jesus' body. Uh, he was a Jew. The text tells us he was actually a leading member of the Jewish council. John tells us that he was converted but he was afraid of the repercussion of his fellow Jews and so he was kind of a a quiet believer but as Jesus' body hung on the cross he knew that to leave him there would be inappropriate and so he asked for permission to take his body down he had a linen cloth put the body in the linen linen cloth another of the gospel writers tells us they added some spices to it wrapped it up And then he took it to a tomb uh, that had been hewn out in the rock. uh, A tomb that had never been used, apparently a tomb that Joseph of Arimathea either owned or had the privilege of using. And so he went and took the body of Jesus there. And we find in the text, verse 47, Mary Magdalene, and there the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. They were thinking ahead. The Sabbath is coming. There was nothing they could do until the Sabbath was over, but they wanted to make sure they knew where the body of Jesus had been laid. And so uh, they go, and they uh, follow Joseph to where he lays the body of Jesus. Because they had plans to give Jesus Uh, a proper burial at the earliest time and the earliest time came at the end of the Sabbath and that's what we find in verses 1 and 2 when the Sabbath is over Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might come and anoint him very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen All right. Who is it that came to the tomb? It was the women who came to the tomb. Who is it that's concerned, other than Joseph, who's concerned about the condition of Jesus' body and its care? It was the women. Where were the men? Where were the disciples? Well, you know where they were. They were in hiding at this particular time. It was the women who were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. They were the ones who showed their affection and their love for Jesus in such a real and tangible way. Now, I don't want to get too far afield here. But let's learn a lesson. where lessons to be learned. These women, in many ways, put the men to shame. For the most part, at this particular time, at least in Jesus' life, They were more devoted, more loyal, and more courageous than the men. Praise God for the women who committed their lives to Jesus then and those who commit their lives to Jesus today. You know, I asked a question just a moment ago. Where were the men? Where were the men? Let's not allow that question to be asked about the church today. Where are the men? You see, following Christ is not just a female thing, it is a manly thing. But we see the importance of the women. in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. In the second place, we see the removal of an obstacle. We find in verse 3, as the women came toward the tomb, they were concerned about one thing. And that concern was over this stone uh, it's actually called in uh, later in the text an extremely large stone that they watched Joseph roll in front of this grave you see it wasn't a the grave wasn't a hole dug in the ground like we used to today but it was a it was kind of like a small cave a hole hewn out in the rock and Joseph had, had rolled this stone across the entrance to the, to the opening of the grave and as the women approached the grave they began to fret they began to worry who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb well when they got there they realized that obstacle had already been removed The stone had already been rolled away. Now it's Matthew who gives us more details about an earthquake that took place, about an angel of the Lord descending from heaven and rolling the stone away. But they come to the tomb and they realize that the stone has been already removed from the entrance of the grave. And it's on kind of into that eerie scene. You know, the the soldiers, when they saw the angel of the Lord descend, were uh, overwhelmed. They fainted away. The soldiers were laying there like, um, like dead men, the Bible tells us. The, the grave that had been sealed up was sealed no longer. And as they approached the, the, the grave that early that morning, uh, they realized their concerns about that stone were unfounded. They realized their worries were misplaced. The obstacle, that obstacle they thought was going to keep them from getting to Jesus, had already been rolled away. Now, that's a, that's a marvelous miracle in itself, isn't it? That, that scene into which the women walked that first Easter morning. I think there's a practical lesson there as well. These women were worrying, weren't they? Fretting. Who will move the stone? Who will move the stone? Who moved the stone? God moved the stone. You see, God is in the business of removing obstacles. You realize that so many things that we fret about and worry about are just like this stone. When we get there, we realize there was nothing to worry about to begin with. And why is that? It's because God took care of it. God took care of this obstacle, these women. They saw and they experienced the power of God and removed that stone over which they had worried so much. But then in, in the third place, we see in this text the announcement of a great miracle. Let's say the great miracle. Why was the stone wall rolled away? You ever thought about that? Why was the stone rolled away? I want to make you understand clearly this morning, the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so the women could get in. And that's what we did. They did. We're told in verse five they entered the tomb, and when they entered it, they saw a young man. We're told sitting on the right, wearing a white robe. Other gospel writers tells us tells us there was an angel. Another one of the gospel writers said there were two angels, and so they go into the tomb and they see these two angels sitting there in white robes in the place of Jesus. And the text tells us they were amazed. The phrase my, use, my text uses, they were amazed. I would say they were amazed. Reminds me really of the story at the beginning of Jesus' life. The night Jesus was born. Remember? When the, the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night and suddenly what happened? The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were I think the King James says they were sore afraid. They were I bet they were. They were scared to death. Like we don't know what it is to be costed by the glory of God. And here these women are. They go into this into this tomb, and there they see the angel of the Lord. And it takes as they were amazed. Another gospel writer says they were afraid. Don't you know they were all of that? But they look in the tomb and the angel who is there speaks to them and the first thing he says to them is is designed to alleviate their fears. He says to them verse 6, do not be amazed or do not be afraid. And he goes on to say, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. And they were. And then he gives those amazing words. He has risen. He is not here." Those words from that angel changed the world. That was the announcement that Jesus was alive. He is risen. He is not here. Essentially, he was telling the women, you're looking in the wrong place. This grave could not hold him. And Jesus is no longer here. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? That the dead Jesus became the living Christ. And that is the glory of the gospel, folks. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. live in a world, for the most part, Scots scoffs at the truth of the resurrection. And yet, it is the hope of the gospel for us. Think of the resurrection for just a moment and all that took place think of the power that was manifested there, there was an earthquake there was a stone rolled away by an angel of the Lord in whatever way it happened nobody knows but in whatever way it happened the body of Jesus came back to life and he rose from the the dead, it was a powerful event the apostle Paul tells us an amazing thing Keep your finger in Mark 14 and I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. I want you to look at verse I think it's 9 and 10. This is Paul's prayer for himself. I'm going to jump in the middle of it. He says, I pray that I may be found in Him that is in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And then notice what he says in verse 10, and that I may know Him, and that I may know the power of His resurrection. Do you get that? Paul is praying that in his own life, he might experience the very power of God by which Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. How do you and I experience the power, the resurrection power of God? It is two ways. One is in our salvation. The Bible says you and I are dead in trespasses and sin. Just like Jesus was physically dead, you and I are spiritually dead. And just as though, as it was that Jesus had to be raised from the dead, so it is that you and I have to have something done to us to come to new life and faith in Christ. That's the power of the resurrection that God uses to cause us to be born again. But it's also, we experience the power of the resurrection in our sanctification. I don't know about you, but sometimes I live live a very defeated life. I think there are obstacles I can't hurdle. There are temptations I can't resist. There are duties I can't fulfill. And I forget. I forget to pray what Paul prayed. I know the power of his resurrection. It's the power of the resurrection that enables us to resist temptation. It's the power of the resurrection that enables us to obey God's word when the culture says it's okay not to obey it. It's the power of the resurrection that helps us to endure the difficulties and trials and hardships of life. It's the power of the resurrection that helps us do that that unpleasant or that difficult task that God has given us to do. We live in the power of the resurrection today. It is a great gift that God gives to us and there's a fourth thing here in the text. And that's the hope. The hope of the disciples. As I mentioned earlier, it was the women who were the last to the cross, the first of the tomb. The disciples were nowhere to be found. Get that? The disciples were nowhere to be found. I said earlier that the women stepped up, the men whimped out. But we find here one of the places in the Bible that shows how different Jesus is from us. At least I see how different Jesus is from me. You know, if I'd been in Jesus' place and those men had abandoned me in my hour of need, I probably wouldn't have gotten over it. I probably would have held it against it. I probably would have resented it. But not Jesus. Look at the text in verse 7. First thing the instruction the angel gave to the women was go. But go tell his disciple. I'm sure that the message the angel gave to the women was the message Jesus was giving to them. You go tell his disciple. And stop there. You go to tell the disciple and make sure just make sure. You tell them. Look, they'd all abandoned Jesus. Through their actions, they'd all denied you. Now, we saw on Sunday school this morning, it was Peter who denied Him with His words. And Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter knew that He was alive. You see, that's the hope of gospel. In our own way or in our own ways, all of us have denied Jesus one way or another. We've turned our backs on him. We have failed him. But Jesus doesn't fail us. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't deny us. The Bible says, even though we are faithless, he remains. And you see, that really is the hope of the gospel, isn't it? That, that even when we, we fall, and even the, when we fail, Jesus reaches out in mercy and in grace. And the hope of the gospel and the hope of the resurrection is that you and I, based on what Christ has done, can now have a living relationship with the living through the grace these extends to us in the gospel. Folks, this is a great day. The day we celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer dead, but that Jesus lives, and because He lives, you and I live too. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the account of the this greatest of all miracles, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. May it encourage us today to know that we can share in that very power. And I pray that we would find great hope in the gospel today. we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.